Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Avraham David is the name of that artist. It debuted for you last week. Welcome in, welcome in, one and all, to this week's edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We are here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, which translates to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And now we're back, 4 p.m. Israel Time, and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is now, that is when we are on. Write it down so you don't forget. But of course, if you do forget, or if you can't tune us in live, that's not a problem. Big deal. We have On Demand. You can listen whenever you want to any show on the entire Nachum Siegel Network. Through the Nachum Siegel Network app, the NSN app, which is available for free, for free, I tell you. Go and grab it. It's on the iTunes App Store and on the Android Play Store. And also on NachumSiegel.com on that website, which is chock full of great Jewish programming. There are archives in both places. You navigate your way to the Israel Show. And you can listen to any one of the many programs that we've introduced over the last 
Oh boy. Six and a half years, almost. Uh, we have a very uh, chock-filled-of-everything show. Uh, we're going to talk about the elections, of course. One week and one day left. That's looking ahead. Looking back 40 years ago, this week. The peace treaty between Israel and Egypt was signed on the lawn of the White House. The participation of Anwar Sadat, Menachem Begin, and Jimmy Carter. And we will bring you some memories, personal memories, but also audio memories of Menachem Begin's, part of Menachem Begin's stirring speech. Amazing. We're going to play the last... um, what was it, six minutes or so of that speech. You don't want to miss this. If you haven't heard it, you don't want to miss it. And i got to tell you something interesting. Everybody thinks like, oh, everything's online, everything's online. Last night I went to look online to see if there's a video, and I could not find it. So here is, I mean, I'm pretty good at Google searching, but, uh, you know, everyone is uh, fallible. So if you... Any one of our dear listeners is able to find the entire speech given on the White House lawn by Menachem Begin at the signing of the peace treaty, March 29th, 40 years ago. If you can find that, please send us the link. You can send it... uh, Either you can post it on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, or send it to me, Mayor, M-E-I-R, at NachumSiegel.com. Mayor, M-E-I-R, at NachumSiegel.com. I, I, I'm so curious to see if anybody can find it. And it's weird that the other speeches are available. And this one's on. Now, I'm not talking about the speech that he gave at the dinner later that night. The toast. Not talking about that. I'm not talking about the speech he gave at the Nobel Prize. I'm not talking about that either. Okay. Anyway. So we're going to talk about that. Kululam. We introduced you to Kululam. Let me tell you know, let's let's tell it as it is. Before we introduced the world to Kululam, very few people had heard about it. Now it's all over. And it's like so many things that we we introduce you to in this world in advance of everybody else. That's why you tune in. You, you get the jump on everybody. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit about Gaza. But I want to share with you, and I guess maybe we'll do this first rather than going to another song. It's a sad, it's a sad moment, but it's, it's I, I got to say it's also an inspiring moment. Many, 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 many have seen this already online. And usually if something is um, ubiquitous online, I try my best not to, um, not to just repeat it, but to try and find new things. But this was a moment that I, I, couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't think about not bringing it to you. We spoke a few weeks ago, I think, I think it was three weeks ago, about the terrorist attack that took place at the Ariel Junction um, in the Shomron, not far from the coast of Israel, a very strategic area. An Arab terrorist, armed with a knife, stabbed a soldier, killed him, grabbed his gun, started shooting. A wonderful, wonderful Jew by the name of Rabbi Achiad Ettinger from Eli was in his car. He had already passed the spot, meaning he was safe. He was home free. He was not in danger. Hearing the shooting, though, and seeing that there was a terrorist with a gun, he pulled out his gun, turned around, and headed toward the terrorist in an effort to shoot him and save the lives of others that he might have shot. Unfortunately, the terrorist shot first, 
and murdered a beautiful person. Just a beautiful, beautiful person. We spoke about him at length. Harav Achiad Ettinger. Now, I've seen this story presented in a few different ways. Just basically the way it seems to me. It doesn't really matter that much, but still. There was a woman nearby who was pregnant. And by drawing the terrorist's attention toward him, unintentionally, he saved this woman, this pregnant woman. And she survived, and uh, she had a baby. Now, that's the way most people were telling the story. The uh, what I think the real story is was told uh, in uh, in some of the news sources was that the sister of the person who he saved the person he saved was not pregnant inadvertently saved so to speak was not pregnant but her sister was pregnant and her sister gave birth they live in Itamar also in the Shomron and invited the son of Rav Achiyad, who is still in Shloshim, to come to the Brit and to be the Sandak, to hold the baby during the Brit, which is considered a tremendous kibud, uh, honor. And then afterwards, to hold the baby while making the brachot and then naming the baby. I assume he knew in advance that the navy, the baby was going to be named in memory of his father. So Achiad, Harav Achiad, who was murdered by the terrorist, his son is holding a newborn eight-day-old baby. The baby's mother, I should say the baby's aunt, was saved by Rav Achiyad. And in his honor, Achiyad, Rav Achiyad's honor, they decided to name the baby Achiyad. So now the son of the murdered rabbi is given the kos, the glass with the wine, and starts off by saying the traditional brachot that we make after the Brit and before the naming, that's very usual. הקיים בשכר זו תלכה יחלקנו צורנו להציל ידידות שהראינו משחת למען בריתו אשר שם במצרנו ברוכתה אדוני קוראת הברית So that's the brachot that we say first before the actual naming then comes the naming of the baby and the text Elokeinu Elokeinu father of our our father father of our fathers Sustain. I should have warned you to get tissues, and I have my box right here. So, sustain this child. This is being said by the young man whose father was murdered. And then you will hear. Him pause. He he just he's totally breaking up. He he can't get out the words. The name of his father, the murdered father, who he still enslaves him for. Achiad ben Hananel. And then the next words are Yismach Av biyotzei chalatzav. May the father be be happy and joyous by the baby that was born. And the mother should be joyous 
and the fruits of her of her womb. Quoting a pasuk in Mishlei. And then, this is all the traditional things that are said at the Brit as part of the brachot and then the naming of the child. There's the dam of the Brit, the blood, we know has a significant place in the Brit ceremony. And we quote a pasuk in Yechezkel Tetzayin. And it's part of a nevuah, an allegory. We don't always know the whole context, but basically the Navi is walking in the streets and God has placed a newborn baby just sitting there, lying there actually, no one's taking care of it. It's as if the Jewish people, right? We were born, nobody was taking care of us. The umbilical cord wasn't cut, not bathed in water to soothe. You weren't swaddled. No one pitied you. No one pitied us enough to do any of those things out of compassion. On the day you were born, you were left lying rejected in the open field. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you, live in spite of your blood. Yea, I said to you, live in spite of your blood. And this is the Pasuk that is quoted at the Brit. This baby that was born and is being given the name of a man who ran into the fire and ended up wallowing in his blood. He is now given that name in his memory and the son of the murdered can't help but think of his father wallowing in the blood and everybody is crying. Here is the end or the continuation I should say of the sounds of the Brit of Achiyad ben Hananel. Ha 
by uh, the great Naomi Shemer, sung by Ruham Araz, V'omar lach b'damayich chayi. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So what is going on in Aza? Everybody asks. Yesterday I heard... Uh, one of uh, Israel's uh, political ana- analysts who had an interesting uh, take on it. Why would Hamas fire missiles into Tel Aviv and the center of Israel? Well, I think we mentioned one possibility was that it knows that before the elections, Israel isn't going to start a war. Last thing Prime Minister Netanyahu wants to do. And so they use the time to show a little bit of muscle, show Israel how far they can go, how far their missiles can, uh, can reach the range, 75 miles. That second missile, the one that hit the house 
in the Sharon area. But there's another reason that could be the explanation for this. I don't know if you followed it in the news, because the news really didn't give it too much coverage. There's an uprising happening in Gaza. The rank and file, the grassroots, the people who are suffering for years under the tyranny of the Hamas are just getting fed up. They're getting fed up by not having any normal semblance of life, living with electricity only a few hours a day, with not non-sanitary water and other conditions, while the heads of the Hamas, the people on at the top, they're living in the lap of luxury. And the money that keeps flowing in from Qatar, in cash, no less, and with Israel's approval, I hate to say, just gets to the top, never ends up where it's supposed to be, helping the people. And it ends up being used to line the pockets of the Hamas leadership and to continue making better weapons, better tunnels, and the average guy is stuck in a quagmire of his own making. They voted for Hamas. And so there was a little bit, there was a starting of an uprising, a civil uprising. And the Hamas, they don't care. They shoot, they beat, they'll do anything to quash it. Where's the world? Oh my gosh, where's the world media? World media doesn't give a nothing. Unless, of course, it's Israel that would be shooting at the protesters. Oh my gosh, then it would be big trouble. So Hamas, in order to take away some of the attention from that, possibly that was the reason that it did all this missile firing into the center of Israel. Now, of course, every time it happened, it was an accident, it was an accident. Oh, 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 it was an accident. Yeah. Oh, my God, we should send them all for toilet training. They're having so many accidents. It's crazy. It's no accident, no accidents. There are no accidents like that that happen in Gaza, trust me. And if you don't trust me, you can trust the uh, all the military analysts and Arabists that... I've heard explain it. What is Israel's end game in Gaza? Well, as we've said many times, there is no real solution. We have boxed our, we Israel ha, have boxed ourselves into a corner that we can't get out of. So the strategy seems to be to contain Hamas. Containment. Not eradication of Hamas. No, Israel doesn't want Hamas eradicated. That's the funny, ironic, I should say, thing. Israel wants Hamas to be weakened. Israel wants Hamas scared of it. Israel wants the level of deterrence to be high. So it blasts away when it can. But all and all the all the sorties that the Israeli Air Force made and all the bombings that they did, no one was killed. Not one. Not one Hamas leader. Not one terrorist. They're bombing. Some say empty fields. Some say weapon stockpiles. Okay. Some say administrative offices. All kinds of things in order to weaken the Hamas. But they give the Hamas advance warning. Yes, it's called Hakesh Bagag. Israeli Air Force drops on the house that it's going to bomb. It drops a very small little charge so that the people in the house know. They hear it and they know that there's a big bomb coming and they run out. And then the big bomb comes. Israel's afraid of the courts. 
Israel's afraid of its court. Israel's afraid of the world court. Israel, in a sense, is afraid of itself. And the truth is, it doesn't matter who wins this election when it comes to Gaza. Everybody is going to do the same thing. In an interview, which we won't play here, it, it, it just it didn't lend itself to, to like cutting up the audio in a way that I should be able to translate and play it. But by now, a famous interview in which Benny Gantz is being uh, is in Washington, and he's being interviewed by Yonit Levy, and she asked him. See, everyone talks about the fact that he stuttered and so forth. It was a delay, but that wasn't the issue. The issue is she asked him, what would you do different? You were the commander-in-chief during the last operation in Gaza. What would you do different? He didn't have an answer to what I would do different. Hamas knows this. They are very sharp. They are very sly. They are very savvy. They are very brutal. And they know where Israel's hot buttons are. They know how to press those buttons that hurt Israel. They know how to play us like a fiddle. And they do. And that, I unfortunately say that, I can't imagine that that is going to change and it doesn't really matter who is going to be elected. Elections are getting very close. I don't think anyone can really call it. An interesting aspect of Israeli elections, we'll tell you all about that when we come back. Uh, From this musical break, Kululam! We introduced you to Kululam a while ago, a year or, or something ago, when it came out, when it first came out. It's a, a group that takes people and brings, together, brings them together to sing. Thousands and thousands of people come together. Sometimes there's a theme around which they gather. They teach them. They break them up into groups. They teach them how to sing each part. And then they all sing it together. They produce a video. And some of them as we've played Aladvash Val Oketz, Chai, Hallelujah, those are some of my favorites. Um, the latest one was done to celebrate people with disabilities. The, um, the video actually begins with a short um, statement about um, the percentage of people with disabilities in Israel and so forth. And it features in the singing people with various different disabilities. The name of the song, officially, is Shiro Shel Shef Shef, which comes from a movie. It was originally sung by Mayor Ban and composed by Mayor Banai Zichronoli Vracha. And it's about how we do things together. Yachad is the refrain that comes up again and again. So uh, we'll debut it for you now here on the Israel Show. Kululam, Shiro Shel Shef Shef. Yahad.
the great uh, Kululam with their latest. They also recorded something uh, at APAC, which I uh, believe they're preparing now. They, it, they're going to join two two groups. One was the um, the group that was at APAC, um, I think 14,000 people, and they're going to join that with um, a group that was in Yerushalayim, and they recorded the piece, and they're going to put it all together into um, one great Kululam presentation of the relationship and the bond between the people of Israel and the Jews in the United States, all the people in the United States, not just the Jews in the United States. So one uh, last uh, piece of information about the elections, and I should mention that um, that um, Jake Novak on Novak Now, which follows Yoni Pollock, which follows us, so it's the Israel show after the Israel show, an hour of Yoni Pollock after further review the world of sports than Jake Novak. So um, on his roster will be some final words about the APAC convention and a guide to the upcoming Israeli elections. So um, you may want to keep that in mind if you're into that stuff. A week before the elections in Israel, I think this should be done in America too. This... this um, little piece of legislation. There is no polling a week before the elections. The, um, well, there, you can, you, a, a party can, can hire a pollster to do a poll. But the media may not publicize any polls a week before the election. And it is so small. I think it would be better if they did it two weeks before the election. Because people unfortunately, are swayed by polls. And we know how often the polls are wrong. You know, they talk about, um, I think it was the Sanhedrin, the court that's at inside the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, where the younger rabbis adjudicators sat in the front and the older ones in the back. So when they voted, the younger ones shouldn't see how the older ones are voting and be swayed by that. There is so much social pressure when it comes to voting that I think it's a great idea not to have polls. So I think the last polls are coming out today or yesterday. And, and and then we're going blind for a week. Hard to tell where it's going. We don't predict. We announced that here already a while ago. We don't predict. There's no point. You'll find out in a week. Well, a week and a day, maybe. Maybe a week and two days. <laughs> Considering the Israeli, um, Israeli voting and counting system. Anyone who tells you they know what's going to be is just guessing. And the thing to look for when the results start coming in are the smaller parties. That is where, I think, that is where this election is going to come down. If some of the right-wing smaller parties don't hit the threshold and as a result their votes go down the drain, the right-wing block could lose three seats, four seats, and that could be the whole difference. Anyway, next week, we'll talk about it more. As we mentioned, 40 years ago, this week, Israel signed the first full peace treaty with any of its Arab neighbors with Egypt. The famous story of Menachem Begin getting elected for the first time in May of 1977. His reaching out to Egypt. He initiated, he wanted to make peace. He reached out to Egypt through other countries 
the most famous of which was Romania through the dictator at the time, Ceausescu. The way the story goes, at the 4th of July celebration and the United States Embassy in Israel, Menachem Begin grabbed the Romanian ambassador by the arm, pulled him aside and said, if Ceausescu invites me, I'll go. And when he went, he told Ceausescu, tell Sadat we have what to talk about. And about a month later, Sadat was there. And he asked, he, he himself said, he asked Ceausescu, is Begin serious? And does he have enough power and strength in his own country to be able to take bold moves? Ceausescu said yes to both. And the rest is history. It was, I remember it, I remember it was on Shabbat in America. He landed in Israel on Motzei Shabbat, Anwar Sadat did. That was the beginning of the process. I remember after Shabbat being over, just being glued to the television, watching the news, pinching myself. I think everybody felt that way. And then... Not long after, Israel signs the agreement. Menachem Begin gave, I believe, one of his best speeches at the signing ceremony on the White House lawn. I have the whole speech, so I recorded it at the time and I digitized it since then. I have it somewhere. I couldn't find it. I've been looking for it for the last few days. I do have, though, what is considered, you know... The real, uh, it, it builds up to the end. So I have the last six minutes and 12 seconds, which is very beautiful. And then we'll follow that with a song. The great orator Menachem Begin, who never used notes, read this speech from his notes. By the way, he uses a quote, uh, a phrase, de profundis. I always wondered what that was. I looked it up. It means in Latin, from the depths. Begin was a lawyer. He learned Latin back in the days in Poland. De profundis means from the depths. The Jews who cried out during the Holocaust from the depths. Here is Menachem Begin, you will hear uh, Israeli radio announcer just give a couple of words here and there when uh, certain events happen. As it took place live on the White House lawn 40 years ago. Entities, ladies and gentlemen, the third greatest day in my life. The first was May the 14th, 1948. When our flag was hoisted, our independence in our ancestors' land was proclaimed after 1878 years of dispersion, persecution, humiliation, and ultimately physical destruction. We fought for our liberation alone. And with God's help, we won the day. That was spring. Such a spring we can never have again. The second day was when Jerusalem became one city. And our brave, perhaps most hardened soldiers, the parachutists, embraced with tears and kissed the ancient stones of the remnants of the wall destined to protect the chosen place of God's glory. Our hearts wept with them in remembrance. Omdatayu raglenu Yerushalayim Yerushalayim 
Paris is the third day in my life. I have signed the Treaty of Peace with our great neighbor, with Egypt. The heart is full and overflowing. God gave me the strength to persevere, to survive the horrors of Nazism and of a Stalinite concentration camp and some other dangers. To endure, not to waver in or flinch from my duty, to accept abuse from foreigners and what is more painful from my own people and even from my close friends. This effort too bore some fruit. Therefore, it is the proper place and the appropriate time to bring back to memory the song and prayer of thanksgiving I learned as a child in the home of father and mother that doesn't exist anymore because they were among the six million people, men, women, and children who sanctified the Lord's name with their sacred blood, which reddened the rivers of Europe from the Rhine to the Danube, from the Book to the Volga, because, only because they were born Jews, and because they didn't have a country of their own, and neither a valiant Jewish army to defend them, and because nobody, nobody came to their rescue, although they cried out, save us, save us. The profundis from the depths of the pit and agony. That is the song of the Greece, written two millennia and 500 years ago when our forefathers returned from their first exile to Jerusalem and Zion. Prime Minister Christ's Prime Minister Begin reads the prayer of returning to the Holy Land of Israel, prayer read often by the Jews of the State of Israel and all over the world. I will not translate. Every man, whether Jew or Christian or Muslim, can read it in his own language, in the book of the books. It is just sound. 126. Navinia Leitzan 
One of the songs that was most uh, identified with the period of the uh, peace treaty, or at least the coming of Sadat to uh, to Israel and the peace treaty that followed, 
We have time to say thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the Nachum Siegel Network staff and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, immediately after us, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports, and then Novik now with Jake Novik, who will have some final words about the APAC conference, a guide to the upcoming Israeli election, and a look at the next big debate in America. And then the great Monday music marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and Dame, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh, no. They're just not running. <laughs> I almost said jumping. Nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Thank you.